to Glitching the Code. Hi guys, welcome to Glitching the Code here on Iconic.com. I'm here with Sean Collins, who's a comedian of 25 years. You guys will probably recognise him from the Michael McIntyre show and the telly. I recognise um, you, Sean, as well. I'm 40, so I do recognise you from the telly growing up. Um, thank you for taking the time. Um, I come across your work because of the film you've done with Simon Dolan, um, uh, Another Way, but... What have you been doing since the film? The film, by the way, guys, is is about what they've done in Sweden and how they did found another way to to push back and and not go into lockdown and all of these severe draconian rules that we're still under in the UK and it's clearly not working, but they're still doing it. Sean, let's go. Let's start from 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 why you wanted to make that film. I know you had a hard year and you've had even a harder year since then trying to earn a living as a a, com- a comedian. Um, why you wanted to make the film and then did you get anything cathartic out of it? Oh, God, it changed everything. It changed uh, views. It changed my feeling about stuff. Uh, um, it all started with, um, I was already, as soon as somebody, like I said, they took away my work. So I started diving into the stats and looking at it in reality point of view and, and trying to see what was going on. Um, because if you're going to tell me I can't make him any money and look after my kids properly, then I'm going to find out. And uh, I started to notice or started to question things. And then I noticed Simon Dolan on Twitter was taking the government to court. And I just uh, messaged him. It was quite bizarre. And I said, because I'd heard about Sweden and, and we were getting conflicting reports. The press in the UK was starting to say, no, it's not working and, and all this. So rather than argue with people i just messaged him and said uh, do you want to go and he said yeah let's go make a documentary and it, it was it was hilarious when he said do you mind if we use our production company and i said yeah probably that would be all right you know considering <laughs> I, don't, I don't have one or a pot to piss in maybe that'd be a good idea so you know so um and the next thing you know we went over in september and we we filmed it and it it, it woke me up to the fact that um if this virus was the virus that they said they that it was, them not closing schools, not wearing masks, it should be carnage in Stockholm. And people can try and pretend that, oh, well, no, there's a million people in Stockholm. Yeah. And they weren't, you know, according to what they're saying here, their numbers should have skyrocketed. And it did. It went back up. And this was the problem uh, as our film was, was getting closer to coming out, um, that, you know... It, we interviewed Tagnall. He said what was going on. He said it's a marathon, not a sprint. He talked about the season, seasonality aspect of it, everything that we talked about with him. And then all of a sudden, a week before, it was supposed to come out. And uh, this Norwegian, the, the equivalent of Norway, BBC in Norway and Sweden wanted the film. They they claimed rights for it. They said we have four emails saying they wanted it. And then all of a sudden, they announced restrictions, which was odd because it went against what Tegnell ever wanted. They tried to say it was a lockdown here. When we landed, this is another thing that people don't realize is that uh, when you say what opened what opened me up, we were sitting on the plane and a woman or the the flight attendant passed around a, a Times for everyone if they wanted to read it, right? So I grabbed it and then got into the car and we were driving to the we were going to meet Simon, who I'd never met other than and I read that. Um, it said we were going into uh, that the UK paper says Sweden was going into lockdown. So I thought, well, we're we're screwed now, right? The whole point of coming over here was the fact that they didn't. So we showed up, and it was bizarre. And I just said to the guy working behind the desk, who happened to be from England, and I said, "Are you guys going into lockdown?" He went, "No." And I said, 
Well, I showed him the papers, and he said 95% of what they print in the uh, UK papers about Sweden is a lie. Mm-hmm. And it was quite interesting to hear that, that there was no lockdown. So we just went in and did it. And it, it's we could have shown more um, about it uh, uh, because there were so many things. You don't want a documentary to go, along, go on too long. But just going around and simple things like shopping and going into a, waiting in a line to get into a restaurant and actually joining other people at a table and all the things that we used to do that now seem so far away. And they were just doing it. So... Um, that opened my eyes about it, and, and you know, I'd like to go to Florida next. That's my next uh, thing. I'd like to go and I'd like to interview them, and I'd like to just go around and show people because um, it shouldn't. Well, my feelings are what they are, and it, and it costs you. It costs you friends, and it costs you people because they think you're being. I'm not. I'm just. I'm talking for the 99.95 percent of the people. You know, and my mom's 83, 84. She's in a residential care home, and at one point they were in lockdown, and uh, she got her meals, three meals a day, passed on a tray through the door. And okay, so don't speak for uh, every elderly person. She does, she knows she doesn't have that much longer, and she'd rather have her grandkids in, even if they didn't feel well, and be hugging them and playing with them and everything else. So, you know, if she was to pass away, her last year would be going in and out of lockdown, and that was it. Yeah, it's like, stop it. Yeah, this is, it, it's but so evil and bizarre and draconian. And what you said there, that you wanted to go to a different country and do and do that. You go to um, go to America. This another way is a question that can be asked of everything. And it's not just are we talking just before we start recording about um, about uh, I think he said um, he said MS and he found another way to cure it. This another way is is a question that we should be able to ask about everything that impeaches on our life isn't it is it's a we have a right to ask is there a better way to do this they're not allowing that are they no no it's 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 and that's the other thing about going to sweden is uh, do you remember the interview with the lady at the Aven museum yep and she basically was uh, you can see it in the trailer but she basically was saying that there was an element of them allowing people to have a choice which is what we've always had which um uh you know, you should be able to make that decision. When people say, kill your grandma. When I, I don't remember growing up and saying, hey, I don't feel well. Let's go to grandma's. You know, you wouldn't do that. You would say, okay, I'm not feeling well. I'll call grandma and say, look, I, I think I have the flu or I have the cold. So I don't want to give that to you. Hmm. And she would normally say back, oh, I don't care. Come over anyway. You know, because that's how you get as you get older, isn't it? You're, yeah. You know, a family dinner with your with your grandchildren are, are a highlight and wonderful and, and important um for everyone and um so yeah i mean people used to have a choice and a lot of people are not are are uncomfortable and i am with them not giving me a choice and that's what seems to be happening and that's my biggest fear right now is is that we're going to have no choices simon dolan said in one of the scenes in the film um that he doesn't like being told what to do and as you get to an adult, you should be to a point where you have a sovereign boundary between you and other people of not having being, not ha, not being told what to do. That's the whole point in being an adult. You need to make the decisions for yourself and fall down when you fall down. This has been so twisted that you're now responsible for other people's health, but they're not responsible for their own. The inversion of everything is mad do you think being a comedian that you were able to see the madness for what it is did it give you an outlook looking in looking in and go this is just weird it, it was 
it, it's a tough one because I, I did a couple of um, online gigs, um, which, you know, I mean, everybody's pushing towards those. I find them, I don't, I don't like them. I stop kind of doing them because, well, that, and I think a lot of promoters are worried that I've lost my mind, which is bizarre that I'm questioning this narrative and people think that I'm, I've changed in any way as a person, you know, like I've lost, you know, comedian friends and everything else thinking I'm mad just because I think masks are, are, are representing something completely different and what they're doing with them, you know, and, um, and now they're talking about masks with children in school eight hours a day. And I just think people are insane, right? They're absolutely insane if they think that's a possibility. Because first of all, this is the only time we've ever not looked at the facts of it. And if you look at the facts, children are not affected mm -hmm. by this. So quit using the word asymptomatic. They're healthy. And if they do get it and they fight it off very quickly, then what you have is a virus that's been defeated in someone that's being out there. And if they're transmitting it to somebody, they're transmitting it. But as a defeat, you know, I mean, it's just it's how we've always lived. And we could have done this. But then you start looking into why they're doing that, because for what for what they're doing right now it makes no sense but if you look at what they're doing if, if you say to yourself wait a minute are they trying to destroy the, the economy and the middleman and the and the small businesses and everything else if that's their goal they're doing a great job so that's the narrative that it starts to fall into that these people have another agenda of what they're doing right now you know i mean they're trying to vaccinate the kids. They that's their end goal. They they tried to pretend that vaccine passports wouldn't come in, and they just everyone everyone outside the mainstreamers knew damn well that that was the goal that they want to do that, and and they're doing it, and they're easing it in, and they're lying consistently, consistently lying. People think that this is going to be over on June 13. It's laughable that to me that people don't see. And how long did it take Hancock to come on? And, and immediately say, well, it might be slower than what the PM said. You know what? That, that right there, that tells me that was their get out of jail card to say, you know, it's not. It's not going to be in June. It's going to go until they get the accomplished goal. And people need to wake up to that because they're trying to crush the economy now. And that's what they want to do. And we're all going to be, you know, I keep saying to people, half the people in this country would be in a concentration camp with me standing beside me and still say I'm nuts. Absolutely. Still say, you know, yeah. they still say, no, no, this is for our own good. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, I had an argument with a guy on Twitter this morning and I don't answer a lot of them because some of them I know aren't even real people. You start realizing yeah. that they can't be, you know, I said, I put a thing out. I said, do you remember when this all started? Because I remember it. There was a video of people dropping in the streets of Wuhan and dying. Do you remember that? Yeah. yeah. Well, we know. I said, well, we know though that that was staged. Because otherwise, people would be dropping in the streets and in, in the high street when it came here. We know it's staged. And somebody came on and said, where, where in the media does it say it was staged? And I, I just said, well, look with your eyes. Why, you, why are we living in a world now where it's like we could see a building was on fire and the BBC would say there was no fire. And people would go, all right, then, no fire. I said, no, there is. Look, yep. you know, like you could see that it was staged. So why did they do that? you know and that's and that was from when, the start isn't it that's from the very start you had the guy on the bus who threw up blood everywhere that was clearly staged and then you had the people falling over in in wuhan putting their hands out by the way none of them hit their head so they put their hands out and i watched all of this stuff doing this sort of work for years as i do i knew this was i didn't know this was coming but you can see the patterns of behavior 
quite clearly, quite quickly. I'm not. I'm not a person who doesn't believe it doesn't exist at all. I believe it's a very so, so something that could most ninety five percent of people could fight off quite easily. They've just weaponized it and taken advantage of it. Um, yes. Clearly, clearly, as you say, why are the World Economic Forum involved in something that should be a medical issue? Why are they? they it, it crash the economy, put people out of work. Then you'll do as you're told because you need to feed yourself. It's not rocket science. So what you're doing, you're not. I think what they've done, Sean, is made people like myself and you and the millions of others that are out there feel more alone than we actually are. Because you walk to Asda, you'll see everybody with a mask on. And I was the only person with 300 people in, the, in there. I was the only person without <coughs> it on. But you're not as alone as you think you are. We've just dissipated a lot. But you can use, I suppose, use this. Do you think you could use this in your comedy and kind of reuse, repurpose what's going on and, and re-kind of... Your message will change, and it have more of a purpose. But it would be a different audience. But there still is another, again, another way. Yes, yeah, but where I don't even know, and I keep telling people this, I don't even know the comedy landscape. What we're going to come back into? Yeah. I don't know if these clubs are going to survive. I don't know uh, the way they're going. If um, I mean, for Christ's sake, the Muppets were deemed offensive by Disney. So, it, you know, I mean, if, if if the Muppets are offensive, then I have no hope whatsoever and making people laugh ever again if if you can watch anything the muppets have done and think that oh well that's a bit what like you really got to be mentally insane to think that but that's what they're going disney's now putting in a it might offend and you just go well that's the world they want so i wonder if alternative comedy i'm i'm yeah again like the if you went back in time all the ones this is what bothers me about a lot of the comedians now they all cite Bill Hicks, George Carlin, who is George Carlin was my idol. I went to see him in Vegas and um, and uh, Pryor and all these people. Right. And even if you go back to Lenny Bruce and stuff, they weren't worried about they weren't trapped in this. And that's what's happened to UK comedy is they're trapped in this. Um, we want to get on the BBC. So we, we want that's our platform and we don't want to offend anyone. So they don't say anything. Whereas in, in the day. That was the appeal. All my comedian idols would say things, you know, would would challenge the narrative of the government. And now they're just, it's, it's you know, they they what they've done to me is they've ignored me or unfriended me or whatever just because I've questioned the narrative. But they still know who I am as a person. I'm not sitting here saying I want every grandmother killed. That's a, that's an. I'm not speak. I would never speak for any grandmother because, and that's the thing that we're doing right now. We're classing everybody over the age of 80 in one group, whereas we're all individuals. We're not one group. And and you know, why are we saying that they want this? Well, you don't know what each one individually wants. And that's like you're saying. It's just it's frustrating now, me because we're walking into this and people don't see it. And I, and you know what? Some might never see it, but some will see it, and it's going to be too late. And that's what's scary is that these, you know, everything that everything that's going on right now fits into what the conspiracy theorists have been screaming at us for the mm. last two years, you know. So it, yeah, it is, that. yeah, yeah. And then this is the thing: you're all lumped into one one category, aren't you? So if you even question anything, you're lumped into and this black and white binary thinking. It's thoughts and feelings over over any kind of fact at all and you say it's turned insane the world has turned insane and how do you function within an, an absolute insane world this has been done in 12 months um do you think there's any undoing of this or this is 
that we need to find a, a new way of is there going to be different places to live we're all going to have to live separately function differently because people like us who do see that this whatever varying degree there's there are millions that do see the, the absurdity of this we are still going to be about how are they going to i don't know function honestly, like this I, it's so I, I bizarre know, isn't it i know i had, a, I had a, another entertainer uh get a hold of me and and uh said he was thinking of moving somewhere where he could just live right and he he was thinking canada and i just said canada is as bad as we are here right now it's it's um you know people the, you know the movements that are going on around europe that they're not showing are quite large it's, it's quite remarkable that it seems to be all the countries that were occupied that are now those are the people that are going wait a minute curfew what are you talking about curfew right as soon as you start implementing a curfew um how can you say it's about a virus yeah. what are you talking about like exactly. you why do people need to be inside at eight o'clock at night what are you talking about right and what about people that do the majority of their life in the evening what about those people what about people that go for nighttime walks or they live in the evening, you know, night people. What, what, what are you talking to do? Does the virus get more? But people are allowing it to happen, except, like I said, these countries now that they're not showing, like France and, and Italy and everything else and that have gone through World War II and had, you know, uh, Nazis, like, marching through kind of go, wait a minute, no, we're not going to, we're going to push back. But this is, this is the only war in history that people don't realize it's happening. Um, at least in the past, you knew there was, you knew who the enemy was, and you knew you were in a war. This is a completely different kettle of fish. This is a, this is a, a technological war. This is this is something we've never dealt with before. And the people are sitting here, you know. And I blame they've they've. I'll give them one thing. They've covered every every aspect because you have furloughed workers right now. The numbers are staggering. They're yeah. quite happy to sit at home and not go to work. So they've got them locked in, thinking, yeah, this is okay, you know. So you've got that. But, I mean, if they were all in the boat that a lot of me and my friends and my colleagues were in, whereas we were cut off and we get nothing, then, but, but again, a lot of my colleagues are not speaking up. So, you know, a lot of them are applauding the jab. It makes me laugh when they said, oh, I had it four days ago and I'm fine. Well, yeah, well, that was four days ago. We're exactly, not, yeah, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> give it, give it. Well, talk to me in a year or two, which you should know what that was from testing, which mm. they didn't do over a long period of time. So, um, I mean, Gates has already said that we're going to need three, three now, three jobs he just came out with. So, you know, everything he's doing is Bond villain shit. It is. People don't even see it. Like buying the farmland, buying, he's now the majority uh, shareholder of, uh, rail transportation in Canada, so he controls all the transportation now as well. It's just like he wants everyone to eat uh, the, you know, to the, for them to be no more meat. It's all going to be GMO, you know, and he controls that, and he's going to do that. And you know, when he said three vaccines a year, three shots a year, I was just like, holy cow! Are you really going to do this? Are we really going to? People will. People will. People don't realise the connections Bill Gates has to eugenics cults. And he was brought up in a eugenics cult called Planned Parenthood. His dad was um, head of Planned Parenthood. They don't realise that Microsoft was seed funded into existence by IBM, who also um, funded the, the tech 
the ticket machines for the Nazi concentration camps. They don't understand these connections. These connections are actually quite easy to find. So there is a complete... I mean, he openly talks about there's too many people on the planet anyway. So the absurdity of people just ignoring that information and then going, okay, you might want to lower the people on the planet, but he also wants to save people's lives at the time. How does that cognitive split happen in people? And how hasn't? why do you think it hasn't happened to yourself? I don't know. I guess I've always looked at things, um, well, since the film especially, even more so, but I realize uh, it's just a, we live in a lie. It's like it's like a, a wag the dog kind of thing that we're living in a, in a, in a pantomime. They just they just make shit up. And, and that's what they're doing. They yeah. just they're not even like you said. How bold is it? Because you would think that for Gates to pull this off. There wouldn't be videos of him talking about how he wants to reduce the population and then coming out with a vaccine and people not. It's why would you take something from a guy who wants to lessen the population? And and I think people assume also that that um, these leaders like Hancock and Johnson and all of them, when they, you know, when you see them hugging Gates or they're at a, the WEF, it's so freaking obvious, you know, like that. They're they're just working for him as a minion right now on a different agenda. That's why I don't believe June 13. I think if it does open up, it'll be a very short time to appease them. Mm -hmm. And then I can guarantee you a new variant will happen in September for whatever reason. And we'll be locked down again because the goal of this and, and, you know, people talk to me about travel agencies and how what about vaccine free or vaccine travel agencies? I'm like, you won't be able to fly anyway. They're yeah. crushing all the airlines that offer budget flights. It's only going to be the wealthy that fly anyway. So you're, you're already. It won't make a difference. They're they're going to ground them all eventually. So they want us all in one place. And the the next thing that I've noticed, and I'm sure you have as well, is the tie-in with climate change. That's oh, going to be the next thing with yeah. COVID and climate change. And that, to me, that's almost like they're getting us planned for more lockdowns because I I could see a lockdown in the future based on climate change. I could actually see them see you see them doing that. So, I mean, what sense does that make? I mean, what sense does that make that that it's even tied in with climate change? How can you make that that leap? And it's almost like that they are the same types of people doing it. I mean, have you have you ever heard of something called Biderman's chart of coercion? No. Well, if you, I'll read a couple of bits out now, and then guys, if you listen to this, tell me that because what you just explained there. Um, about the flip-flopping or the allowing you out and then back in. This is called Biderman's Chart of Coercion. And one of the points on this chart, and it's a chart that um, is a tool developed to explain the methods used to break the will or brainwash a prisoner of war. And one of the points on here is, um, it is, do, 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 what's that one? Is it on this? Destruction of omnipotence, occasional indulgences. They provide positive motivation for confirmation to the abuser's demands. The victim works to earn these indulgences in an effort to increase self-esteem, and then they get taken away again. That's what you've just explained. They're going to give us a little and then take it away. The other one on there that's really pops out to me is enforcing trivial demands. Demands of often trivial, contradictory, and non-achievable reinforcement. What's all this stuff? Social distancing, face masks. It, the, so Bisman's chart of coercion, I'll send you a link to it because that's exactly what they've used, mate. 
And it's it's it, it confirmed to me. It was one of the things I I speak to Gareth Ike quite a lot. We're good friends, and um, he sent me it, and I was like, "That's it. That's what they've used. They've used a model that they use on prisoners of war to wear them down, and that's what's happening to people. They're being worn down to take the vaccine. So you, this is very nefarious. This isn't conspiracy theory. This is what's happened and why. It's completely yeah. like that. And then, so your film is, is fantastic because what you're doing is you're showing there is another way for you to, to look at this. And this has provenly been done and it's been done everywhere. And um, so what's your hope for the film? Because I know you've got a new platform that you'll be able, you're getting the film on now and you've had, hard, you've had difficulties distributing it, which you will do in this world because we're all being blocked left, right and centre. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, open my eyes to that as well because I always, um, I always... I always watch documentaries in the past, even the ones that people said, oh, it's controversial. I, I find, I, I, I don't know how a documentary can be controversial. I think it, it's presented and shown, and that's what people should be watching to make up their own mind. Yep. You shouldn't, you, you, you should be intelligent enough. But again, this is what I'm saying is people aren't making up their own mind. They're actually, imagine waiting to be told if you can sit on a bench with a friend and getting excited about it. The fact that you're allowed to now. And this is what you're talking about, just was talking about. The trivialness of going and sitting on a park bench in the sunshine with a friend. And it's just, and people are excited. Oh, are we going to be allowed to do that? Why are we not in gyms? Why are gyms not open now? Why are they, why are they saying, okay, April 17th? What magical thing is going to happen on April 17th yeah. that means that something's different? You know, and... But they'll use, I just noticed now, because the whole argument with the vaccine passport is the, um, it doesn't stop transmission. But now they're trying to wedge in. You can see now they're saying they actually made a comment recently in the paper that it's being shown that it does. What are you basing that on it at all? Like, they just, and people are swallowing it. And that's the scary thing is that uh, I I dread it. It's just I don't. I don't feel good. I have good days and bad days. But mm. lately, I've been feeling more and more as I watch. Um, you know, when I see them asking for children to try the vaccine on. Yeah. How, it, you know, it's just as a parent, it scares you. I mean, you know, I just it scares you and makes you and it makes you angry. I'm yeah. furious at it. Well, how dare you? One, tell me what my child can and can't have in their body they try and give children 12 vaccines in the first six weeks of their life 12 my child has had none and he won't until he's 18 months until we stop maybe a couple there for for um, meals and mumps but i'm still not sure about that i'm not anti-vax i'm not going to give a child who's no. developing immune system 12 vaccines mixed together in in one go how insane a world do we live in that we're going to allow that to happen to children. And now, as you saying, they don't want to just vaccinate kids. They want kids to sit in a classroom for eight hours straight with a dirty mask on their face. That's just the, the health, the even psychological if it, even if it, even if it's a clean mask, if I, can, if I can say this, I posted this on Twitter. Um, all you have to do is Google the benefits of fresh air. Yeah. And it's not, it's not, it's not a myth. Um, it, it, the serotonin level, your your ability to grasp things, mm -hmm. your mental state, everything that it does, fresh air for you is important. Yep. And, you know, I don't understand. Yeah, they just seem to be ignoring it and they're going to push it. So and the psychological I, I, abuse of that as well, the psychological abuse of children talking to each other through masks. Uh, I mean, how not, it is not nuts. smiling. Yeah, not not. I mean, I was. <laughs> 
you know, I mean, school is is about learning and everything else, but you're kidding yourself if you think that, you know, school isn't about having fun with your mates and getting into trouble at times and, you know, that, and, but they're turning it into a, no, just go and learn with your mask on, don't talk to anyone, don't have any of that fun bit, and then go home. Well, that's not what school was, you know, I, I mean, I was in, I, I skipped, I did things, I, you know, I went and uh, Smokey J and in, in the forest, you know, with friends and things like that, 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 you know, as much as I learned that those are the memories I have because I'm Facebook friends with them. And we talked about that time we got caught when we were 17 stoned off of our faces, yeah. and, you know, and I, I then had to go try and play football. <laughs> and it was just like, you know, the fact that my gym teacher actually said that, Sean, get on the field. I'm like, well, you can see what we're doing here. <laughs> Perhaps I should sit yeah. this game out. You know? Well, this is a good point as well, Sean, is that, that how the story that you've just told, imagine the stories that people are going to have in 30 years' time, the kids, the comedians in 30 years' time. How are they going to have anything to find funny? How are they going to have any material? Yeah. I, I, yeah, like I said, I only... It's the elephant in the room. I did one joke about it. I said, as a, as a, as a divorced single man of 55... Uh, me being a comedian, it's been a lot easier to explain to women when they come over to my place why there's a tripod light system and camera set up in the bedroom. <laughs> you know, so that was basically the only joke I did, and then I just moved away from it. But it's like this huge elephant in the room. I mean, all my stuff that I talk about are from life experiences and what I do and observational shit. I'm not obser- I'm not observing anything right now. I'm just, you know, I'm hanging out with my boys, which I love. I mean, you know, that that's one good thing that's come out of this is I've been on the road a lot and this this has given me time to do so. But um, I don't know if I'm going back to stand up. I'd like to see how this goes and um, possibly do Florida if if we can get clearance to go over and show Florida and do a sequel, which hopefully because I think there's a movement. We'll see how it's taken too when do you because do is going to stream it over in North America. Yeah. So maybe. Maybe some Americans are fed up with lockdown. I think they're not showing the ones that are. But uh, and you know, so this could be a, a you know a, a, a hit. And then the second one, if we did it in Florida, would be would be wonderful. And then who knows where I'll go? But I I can guarantee you, the circuit is not something that I don't think will exist anymore. What I might have to do as well, because I'm not taking the vax, is stay very local. Mm-hmm. I mean. I'm not going to be able to, which is sad, fly to Canada and, and you know, and it, I think it's coming. Maybe it won't, but I think that's what they're going to do. No jab, no flight. So they're going to, you know, which is ludicrous. It's, it's freaking everything they're doing now, like the Nuremberg Code. You think we'd learn from what they've, what they've said, right? You know, I'm not, both my kids had the MMR jabs, right? I'm not. Uh, like you, when people say to me online, you're anti-vax, I said, no, I'm not. Most, both my kids are jabbed, so quit. But that's what the press has done. They've made it into an anti-vax-vax thing, mm. right? Um, when it's not. It's actually not. And and people don't see that. Oh, you're just anti-vax. Well, no, I'm not. Um, because my children were. What I am is anti-this, what yeah. they're doing. Because it doesn't even fall into, when you research it, it doesn't fall into what a standard vaccine is anyway. It's not, you know, and it's also, it's it's not stopping transmission, and it's not you can still get it. So I don't I don't see the point. They're saying well it lessens um, uh, how severe you get it, but I up my vitamin C and my vitamin D and my zinc, 
when I found out in research, and that's what I do, and I'm pretty sure that lessens it as well. So, Well, in 12, 12 months of this, I've not met one single person who's been ill with it. I've met people who said they've had it, who said they've had it, by the way, with a test that's not really suitable for testing for it, which is the RCPCR test, which we know, Carrie Mullis said continuously, that this should not be used to diagnose infectious diseases in the sense that they can't tell you whether the disease is alive or not. It can just tell you a code, that something exists on the minute level in there. It's a replica. It's a, it's a DNA re it's a replica of material. So they're using that test. So I've not met anyone who's been ill with this. Have you met anyone who's actually had the test and been ill? Do I know anyone personally that has? No. And... Um, which is bizarre, considering it's a, a deadly pandemic. Mm. It is quite bizarre that I'm sure people, uh, uh, when the Spanish flu was around, uh, 10 years afterwards, people talked about losing several members of their family or friends and everything else and, and how bodies were piling up on the street. But we're going to look back on, on this pandemic, and it's going to be quite bizarre how many people died as to what they have done in response to that you know um yes i mean nobody's but nobody's questioning anything like you say like why why is it why the 28 days if you test positive no matter what you die of why is that a COVID death why did they need to do that nobody's saying that well that's weird isn't it mm -hmm. it's weird to me isn't it weird to you that they're and at one point i think up into july they changed it to 60 days yeah they did yeah so if you test positive and then get hit by a bus, you know, 30 days later, it's a COVID death. And that, and people are not going, well, that's odd. Why are we not realizing that that's inflating the numbers? You know, why are we not? And I, I always tell this to people. This is why I don't believe that they're, they're calling incompetence. But they know the PCR testing cycles at 45 are going to bring up. They're not stupid. I mean, we're talking about people that are that are in the field they know they know what they're doing so for us to say oh don't they realize us of course they do uh, you know we're living in an orchestrated pantomime that we're all seeing right now you know so we are and it's it's so strange isn't it and and uh, i think you had a good, a good point there was that you come up with is that that it's not that people like ourselves don't believe it exists and i think that they take it to extreme you say one thing they'll take it to the end of the earth with it what we're saying is is the response to what we're seeing with our eyes outside, um, equivalent to what we're set, what we, what we're seeing as a threat. Well, no, it's, it's a completely over overreaction. To right. me, I, I liken it to putting a plaster cast on a child's leg because they've whacked it on the door handle. It's ridiculous. You don't do that, and that's what they've done. And um, this absurd overreaction, this kind of like hysteria, it's hysteria, isn't it? It's hysterical. The world's going it would be, it would be like attacking. It would be like attacking Iraq if you heard they might have weapons of mass destruction. Imagine that. <laughs> yeah, that kind of overreaction. I'm glad that'll never happen. Yeah, exactly. But yes, it is. It's a huge overreaction. It's, it's, you know, and that's. But they've been able to do it through the media. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of things that uh, that I dived into with this. I don't know why Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is able to donate to BBC World. I don't know how we fund, this is what people say, well, we fund the BBC, so it should be a news source for us. But if you have somebody giving $50 million to them with an agenda to vaccinate the world, can you not assume that he's giving you this money 
does it not seem obvious, almost mafioso-like, to come out and just say, well, no, we get our money from Bill and Melinda Gates? Well, then that explains the news, doesn't it? Yeah. But people are not... Well, it's not only just... that, it's Sean, is that they, they, Bill and Melinda Gates also um, give funding to the FDA in America and the MHRA in the UK, who, who signed off on the vaccines. That's mental. Yeah. It's mental. It is mental. And um, this is where we're at. And, and I think people just don't want to look at the grand. It's such a big horror that people can't. I don't think they can get their head around it. I just don't think they can. On that's, Yeah, that's the issue. Is that, uh, I agree with you on that. Is people just don't want to believe that this could be that evil. Yeah. You know, that we are, you know, I like I, I like I said, I have friends after getting the vaccine, saying they felt ill, but they're fine now after three or four days. And they're posting that as if to make fun of us for suggesting that, uh, and if you do do the research, that suggesting that there's going to be phases of mm -hmm. different kind of reactions to this because it's it's in your body now. It's not just, it, it's our, and then the second jab is going to come and that's going to be, you know, and then I, I had a doctor friend of mine who, was nice enough, well, I say nice enough, but send me a link on the ADE, which is from uh, previous R uh, RNA vaccines, how the wild virus, when once introduced after the people have it, is is twice as worse, right? And, and you know, the, the animal testing they use died and, and everything else. And when you read that, you go, well, you know, and then, and then I see Gates saying we're not going to be back to normal till 2022. He's pulling the strings, so I kind of believe what he's saying. And he also keeps saying that there's going to be, you know, I hear rumors about, he said the next one's going to be, you know, COVID-21 is going to be way worse, you know, and I kind of believe him. You know, he's 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 letting people know almost laughably. And, you know, I don't even know why this guy has such a platform on disease. I don't know why we're we're listening to this asshole, but, you know. No, but me, people like me and you aren't. Um, it's the mainstream media that, that are, and the media have, have been need to be held up to account. Do you think people, because uh, you've, you've been at the BBC and you've done stuff there, I've, I've done the local stuff, do you think the people that work at these mainstream channels know what's going on, they're just keeping their mouth shut, or they really are almost brainwashed to think that they're doing the right thing? Or is it a mix? I think it's a mix. I just think it is because it's, again, what we said about about the elderly. I don't think you can group individuals all in the same boat anymore. And I mm -hmm. think everybody, but I do think that everybody there um, pretending to care about others, a lot of them are doing it because they need the money in their job. So, um, and if they are questioning it, um, the narrative, and they're working solely to get money to feed their family, then I find that hideous because because by not speaking up, there's all of us that are actually going through the thing where we don't have the job or the money coming in and we can't feed our family because you're not speaking up, mm. that kind of thing. So there's a selfish attitude. It, it's if, if we were, and we're not the caring for others, they've set this out. I always laugh at this. If we really, really were that caring for others and that's our main concern, then nobody would have hoarded toilet paper when this came out. <laughs> yeah. You know, why? Imagine going there, filling up your cart and going, ah, well, I can shit, but nobody else can. It's like, you know, that 
No, you're not. You're not this caring individual. If you're buying tons of toilet paper, you're only concerned for yourself, wiping your own ass. Do you do you think that's the case then? In a lot of ways, that we have too much. We've got. I think deep down, like at our core, most people are good people. But do you think we kind of expect more from humanity than we've actually? This has kind of shone a light on how messed up we've become, possibly in many cases. Yeah, it's like I said. It's it's been played so well. Like as much as we hate what's going on, you have to admit they're doing a hell of a freaking job, and this has been planned out to the T. Um, so, you know, they've covered all bases because you cannot argue it without people virtue virtue signaling something, yeah. and then you're you're sort of at a dead end with discussion if people are going to do that. If people are going to say, and you see it all the time on the the BBC News, they're talking about it where where they use that same question, well, what would you tell the families of somebody who died of COVID? Well, I'm not talking to them. I'm talking to you right now about, so, you know, well, I would say I feel bad for you because they got that and they passed away. And just like I would say the same to a cancer victim, I would say the same to a, to somebody who died of pneumonia or, or, or whatever it's, you know, but we've given away a year and I think they want us to give away another year. And I find it bizarre that people are just quite happy to give away that. Maybe, maybe people were so tired of traveling that they like sitting on their ass and watching Netflix. But, but um, you know, I was a huge um, do whatever I want whenever I wanted. So if I wanted to, you know, take my boys and go over to the Isle of Wight and stay in a tent on the beach and just have a weekend, where I, don't, I just that's important to me. You know, come on, kids, let's get in the car. Let's go pitch a tent. We'll swim in the in the warmth and we'll we'll leave our phones behind and go enjoy life. Well, that's not going to be an easy thing to do anymore. So and what you just said there is they were normal things to do. They're human rights. They're not they're the God given human rights. They're not something you can take away and hand back to us whenever you want. I, I don't care who you are on the planet. So what you've just said there is a basic human right. You're not hurting anyone. You just want to live life and explore life and and do everything you you are supposed to do um but what they're doing now and you mentioned this earlier is that they're gonna give people the back a little bit of you can sit with one friend on a bench and people are excited about it without and totally disregarding that that is not even a slight bit of what you should be given back or take back they're never going to give you anything people are waiting aren't they to be given their freedoms back you don't do that even, even the numbers they're putting where they say well you can meet in groups of eight or you can do this in groups of 12. And you think, well, why would 13 make a difference? Why would 14 make a difference, you know? They're, they're going to crush the hospitality industry. They're going to crush... One of the things about England, whether you like it or not, that I enjoyed when I came over here, um, different to where I grew up in Canada, was the pub culture. Mm -hmm. I used... Well, you know, I, when I started out, I lived uh, with another comedian in Shepherd's Bush. And... Um, you know, I mean, I, I like a beer and uh, so many times coming home at 10 or 11 at night when you just walk in and you hear, you know, somebody playing in the pub and everybody having a good time. And even if you're on your own, I used to just go in and have a pint and usually I'd meet someone and talk to them and we listen to good tunes. And, you know, that was the good thing about England. It wasn't it, it, for me. I'm not saying that drinking is that important, but I, I just don't want to see us become just weather spoons. And that's what it's going to be, you know, instead of the 
the pub that, you know, I have another friend of mine where we would go watch the football down at the, we used to watch it every Sunday. I'd go down and meet him for one of the games. He's a Chelsea fan. I'm a Spurs fan, unfortunately, but we'd go down and, and, and watch again. I mean, we would call each other last minute, pub, pub, you know, and then we'd go down and watch for a couple of hours, have enough. It's just not going to exist. They can't survive. And, and I, I keep wondering why these businesses, because I always thought that that was going to be the clash, that mm. people were going to say, and it never really happened. It's, it's happened in some places where people are going to say, well, wait a minute. I have a 99.95% survival chance of this. I think a lot of people were saying this, right? Yeah. So I would rather be out at the pub. I would rather be out with my friends or my mates. I would rather be doing life because you never know. I mean, my I have an uncle who died. He brought laundry down when he was in his late 40s. Laundry down. And he didn't come back up. And we went down. He had a heart attack there. Uh, you don't, yeah, you don't know. Yeah, you never know. Right. So, you know, I just, this isn't living. And, and then when we go back to living, I can assure these people that the life that we're going back to, and they won't even realize it, yep. is not even close to being the same. They're not even going to realize it. They're just going to, because they're going to do it gradually and they're going to spoon feed that this is necessary to everyone. You know, I mean, they're going to, people are talking about masks for years to come. And I just go, wow, like you really want to walk around with a mask on for, oh, it's just, no, it isn't. Hmm. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, that was the other thing in Sweden that, uh, that I noticed was when we walked around Stockholm is how much I miss seeing people smiling and and enjoying themselves and, and you know seeing we were watching schools with no matter they they've done and so we're not we're following something that's evil because Sweden proved it Sweden did not close the schools and the stats are there for you they didn't have masks they didn't close the schools they didn't social distance the kids they just went on as normal and that hasn't stopped because it's important. Right. And so why are we not looking at that model and going, why is Sage not saying, oh, see, it works. So we don't have to worry about the schools, but they're not doing that. They're just following, you know, and I, I think it works out to Sage is three quarters of them are, are psych majors. Are they not? Yeah. 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 It's a psychology. Why are psychologists in charge of this? Why a psychologist? And that's a big like. Ask your own question. Answer your own question there, because this is supposed to be a medical issue, a biological issue, and you've got psychologists giving uh, policy. Not just one. No, uh, no, no. Yeah. But the majority. I could see why you could have one. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. If you're dealing with a pandemic, but that psychologist's primary goal should be how to keep people calm and how they present the honesty. But that's not what these psychologists are doing. They're ramping up here. You know, yeah. in a true pandemic, a great quote I heard, the media and the governments would be trying to downplay it to keep people calm. They wouldn't be trying to make it way worse than it is. You know, that's the opposite of what a government is supposed to do and a media. So, um, yeah, it's, it's weird times, mate. It's the strangest days, isn't it? It is a strange day. We, li- we, we live in a nuthouse, an absolute nuthouse. Now, what... What are your hopes for the for the film going forward? I know you've you've got a distribution yeah, deal now, so yeah, I just want people to see it, and and you know I'm not going to lie. I hope I make a little bit of money off of it, just because I've got to feed my family, right? Mm. And um, 
But I just want people to see it because I want people to see, um, you know, especially in America and Canada where they're completely shut off from, from even knowing about what Sweden, all they hear from Sweden is you get this odd thing saying Sweden was completely wrong. Um, and that's, that's all that you hear. And I get people over there saying that and they quote the same article to me. And I just go, I, I know what you're saying, but, you know, and I'll, I'll say to them, I'll show them the ticket of when we landed and started filming on September 23rd. And the day, that very day, in the front page of the paper, Sweden going into lockdown, which was a complete lie. Yeah. So um, I just want people to see it. And hopefully, you know, we all hope. I mean, you know, they're building quarantine camps all over Canada. And, and Canadians should be uproar. Just be in, it should be insane how mad people are, you know. Um, I've, I've, yeah, I just find out what's going on all over the world. I find, you know, in Israel, them really going hardcore on, on digital identities and stuff like that. And you just go, wow, you think you would have learned, you know, of, of everything. And, and, and it's just happening everywhere though, isn't it? It's, it's just, you know, and um, why we're getting nothing from China anymore on what they're, I don't believe that they're all still going into lockdown i don't believe it i think I, from i saw a video of a kid just biking around wuhan yeah. he said we're back to normal here you know so yeah we've got two worlds here we've got the, the the world that we're seeing through the media which have blood on their hands the mainstream media um across the board um and then it, that, that that's the, the uh, virtual reality on the tv screen and then we have the world that you see outside and you see some of it's the fear spilling over the actual stuff they're showing you makes no sense. How in this last twelve months, how have you kind of unplugged from this madness? And because, and, like, sometimes I, I, I said, uh, "Lego with my five <laughs> Well, no, it's the same with the little. We've just had a little boy, so it is it, to end it on a more like uh, an upbeat. No, I kind of want to sort of see how you kind of got through the last twelve months, knowing that you can't go out and do the one thing that you love doing, which was making people laugh on stage. And you said to me it was your kind of coping mechanism. It was the how you kind of coped with other situations in your life. What other coping mechanisms have you kind of found over the last year? Are you still kind of finding them um, and and figuring out what they are? Because I see this film as a kind of coping mechanism for yourself. And there's a lot more that you could do along those lines. Other films about another way, other solutions. You want to find a way out of this. And that in itself could be... A coping mechanism for yourself, if that it makes sense. It has to be, yeah. I need, I need it. The, the, I, I say this. My kids have saved my life. Mm. Uh, believe it or not, um, you know, I'll pick. My wife and I are no longer together, but we're still great friends. And and uh, um, so when you say, well, she's had, she's been able to keep working, which is, which is been great. She works uh, for Motivate, which is an incredible. It's a. Um, um, a charity organization that works with the troubled uh, teens around trying to get them and the families to to keep them together. So she's considered essential. Uh, And I hate that because I think every, every job is essential if you're bringing money and food back to the table for your family. Um, But hers is, so she's been able to work, but because of that, I've now taken the role on of, I pick uh, Will's at school right now. We've been lucky enough that he's, because I, I work at this and I'm trying to, you know, social media now has become my thing. It's all been all about this film and the release of it. And um, as you know, you've done film work. People think that this is just a, 
uh, an easy process. We knew, I didn't think it would be this hard, but I knew it would be hard to get it on uh, mainstream, but that's my goal is to yeah. get it seen. And that's my outlet. Other than that, I'm picking him up at three. His friend's coming over. We're going to do some Lego. We're, we're building a truck. So my coping mechanism is getting through the day with a five-year-old till bedtime and also hanging with my other kids. So that's all I'm doing now and, and doing as much as I can on social media, on Twitter. You know, I know some people, you get the odd death threats, but I'm doing what I can to... Uh, one one great thing was the Australian Open on Sunday, hearing them boo the vaccine. Yes. Which is, this is why part of me thinks, and you said it earlier in this interview, that maybe there are more of us than we think, but they're not allowing us to have that voice anymore, to know that we can unite. And, and I think, I think Sean, I think there's, it's not just the people that there is, there's a part of every human being that is like us. Just some of us will bring it out and some of us will say talk about it and some of us will openly say it and don't have anything to lose from saying it. I'm lucky enough to do this for a living um, because I saw this coming a long time ago and I knew the alternative media was the only place for me. But um, I think there's a part of every single human being that is like me and you that but most won't have the, have the courage or can't say it. Well, they better. Mm. <laughs> they better soon. <coughs> they better... Um... I hate the label of conspiracy theorist because it, they're still labeling people conspiracy theorists when it's happening right in front of their eyes. And that's what, that's what I, I find bizarre about it. It's, you know, it's, it's just, it's, we're not, we've been telling you this, we're showing you this. Why are you people not getting it? And that's the frustration is that, you know, why are you not waking up to this? Why are you not, why are you driving in your car with a mask on mm. alone? Why are you Why are you jogging with a mask on? Are you Are you insane? Like you've got to exhale when you jog. That's part of it, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, um, why are you Why are we sitting here worried about seeing friends and family? And why are we? It's just it's we've forgotten to be human, and that's what I almost think they're trying to take that human aspect away from people anyway. So. Yeah, you know, I agree. Do you do you think the last question I ask you? Do you think that um, that comedy plays a huge part at getting us out of this? Do you think I always thought laughing at this is probably the best weapon that we have? Our sense of humour, sense of human. Um, do you think laughing and comedy is a, is a crucial part of getting us out of this mindset? It is, but the only comedians that you're going to be able to see are the ones that um, the BBC is showing you. If you take out um, I can name you comedians in this country that are absolutely fabulous on the circuit. On the circuit, and on any given night, uh, give uh, a performance that would blow your mind. But it's not on. You're not going to see it. It's not on BBC. But you're removing those comedians because they can't survive on Zoom gigs that pay forty quid. You can't. We can't. Um, so all you're going to have are the big name ones on the BBC that. You know the the remish. The, you know they could go years without working because they're millionaires, and those are the ones that you'll see. But the I'm I'm old school. I still like going into a dingy little comedy club where, where there's 150 drunk people. I actually am one of the few that missed the smoking. I always used to make jokes about getting up on stage and and uh, you know I'm not saying it was good to have secondhand smoke, but that's what I remember. My my experience in comedy has always been ripping a room of 150 or 200 drunk people that were smoking fags and, and listening to stories. That's the hardcore stand-up, and I can't see it surviving here. Not only that, 
with um, the way they're going right now with stand-up, it's almost like they're funneling into only being able to do certain kind of jokes, um, very safe jokes, very um, the ones the ones that they'll quickly be labeled right wing or nut jobs or horrible or whatever because you can't. You know, Steve Hughes is one of my favorite comedians. I don't know if you've seen Steve Hughes. I know that. Yeah, I do know the name. I can vaguely picture him. Yeah. His his bit about being offended is is one of my favorite stand-up bits. Where he, you know, where he just does this great voice of a woman going, "Well, I'm offended," and he just goes, "Well, who cares? Yeah. Nothing that... happens if you get offended. <laughs> nothing, nothing happens. You just stop being offended, and that's, you know, that's." But, uh, you know, I worry the, the way stand-up's going is that we're going to lose the club comics that I like. Actually, the ones that probably hate me now the most are the ones that I, I think are the, the best to watch on a, on a comedy night, some of the best stand-up I've ever seen. So I worry that that's not going to be there anymore. I worry for our business. I worry for the club owners. Um, you know, I mean, it'll come back. But I know I'm going to have to get away. If I'm going to do stand-up again, it's going to have to be touring on my own uh, or with people of my own like mind because that seems to be where we're going you're gonna have you know but there are some good people out there we got to stay strong maybe we are winning and we don't even know it they're hiding it from us but i you know i find it surprising when they announce how many millions have had the vaccine but then i look on facebook and people are applauding and excited about getting it next week oh good and people on in the comments are great awesome wonderful perfect why? <laughs> but there are plenty that aren't as well. And again, you're looking into their their world of what they want you to see as well, because there are billions, 7.6 billion people in the world. Even if a million people get the vaccine, 2 million people get the vaccine, it's a tiny fraction. The nutters like Merkel want to vaccinate every single person on the earth. I don't think she quite understands about how what one born every minute means. Is she going to stand there and do it? I don't understand what... But these people are nutters, so they're never going to get to where they're going to get. But um, I think if we look at it in that sense, it seems a bigger, pro- bigger. It seems a lot darker than it actually is. But I think there's a lot of people out there that you're, that maybe that we're not connecting with that actually really do feel the same. That there are a lot of people out there that find this so weird and so funny and so odd that eventually it'll fall. It's a really wobbly game they're playing, and they've stretched it out for 12, 12 months. I don't think they've got much longer left in it, and I think that's why they're trying to at least roll back a bit. So there are signs that we can we can keep going, but we're very adaptable people, Sean. And I think you, with your your well, your other way, the message of the other way, there is another way can be used across the board. And I think there's a real length in that in other films, podcasts, books. Just the message itself is crucial, and I think you could really f- use that yourself for something because I really do think that's the positive message that that needs to be set out there. And there is a whole People need to hear that message. There is another way to do this. And the relief well, I, you'll bring I, to people that way. I, one last thing before I go on. You had asked me before about about um, things that change your mind about stuff. When I had I had severe heartburn a few years ago, GERD they called it, and they put me on a Miprazole. Mm-hmm. And I went on it um, because my doctor told me it was safe to go on it. And I went on it. And it wasn't until uh, about two years afterwards I was having muscle pains. I couldn't do anything in the gym anymore. And the pains were so bad. Um, I was really worried. I went to the doctors and everything else. So I finally Googled it myself and I went into the, um, 
you have to bypass all the bullshit to get through it. But you can find out what the actual side effects are in trials and long terms if you if you search. And it turned out that uh, omeprazole and people I know have been on it for 10, 15 years was never ever by FDA, FDA approval. You're not supposed to be on it over 30 days. Really? Right? right. And that's what it says. And then it lists the long term side effects. And as I scrolled down, I saw um, the weight gain that I had. And I also saw the severe muscle cramps to the point where you can't lift. So I had that. And I, so I said to my doctor, I, I, I showed him this. And he said, oh, I never really knew the long term, right? And I went off it. And when, within a week, I had no symptoms of the muscle pain and stuff like that. And that's why I started to question what was in medicines that people were given. Because people assume, I think one of the things people that we live in nowadays, people assume vaccine. That, it, that, that means, oh, it's got to be 100% safe. Because they've covered up for years vaccine injuries they have right and um, people don't believe that anybody's ever they you know wakefield did probably the you know was was honest and thing but did the most damage to to the movement of you know they discredited him so bad that you're considered a nut job right mm. but anyway that's my little point on it and if anybody's watching this and they've been on a membersol for a long time get off it what i had to do was give up dairy and I no longer have that problem. And that's what the medical profession, your body tells you things. Right? Yes. My body was telling me, no more milk. I'm drinking too much milk, and that's why I'm getting this heartburn. My body was telling me no more dairy, basically. When I finally cut food out and did the intelligent thing, I now have no problem with it. So, it's amazing you should say that, because I was born without I was born without an esophagus, um, esophageal treasure it's called, and they gave me a meprazole a few months back, and I'm not taking it, because I just don't like taking it. I didn't take anything. Um, so it was good you said that because I wasn't going to take it anyway because I'm a stubborn, stubborn sod. But yeah, it's a it, Sean. It's been amazing. I really appreciate your time. Where can people find your film? I know you've got a website going up soon. We want to send them to the right place to come and watch it. Um, well, the uh, the actual another way website is up, uh, which we're going to be streaming it through as well as other platforms. It's going to come out on, but that one there, if you want to bypass all the need to go to the bigger names kind of thing, uh, another way doc co.uk is the website and it'll be on sale from what i understand and uh for rent uh in two days so i hope people watch it uh understand when people it's not going to be a huge price to rent it and uh the little bit of money comes back to me which i could use right now but hopefully and and if you do watch it just really start i just want people to realize that we weren't trying we just wanted to show that that there is always alternative ways and they can always change course if something's not working and clearly lockdowns aren't so absolutely where can people find you on twitter i know you're active on twitter a lot sean collins 66 on twitter sean collins comedian on facebook brilliant well thank you sean for your time i'd love to do this again as well and if you've got anything i can help you with in the future um in in terms of promoting your work i do think there's a massive brand in this another way um, and I think you could really run with that. It's an important message, guys. So go over and check over, check out the film. I've watched the film a couple of times, and it's a, one of those. It's a proper documentary in that it actually shows the journey of people changing through the documentary, as opposed to a bunch of interviews about a subject. This is a proper journey. You show so show two people going on a journey and experience things. So go and watch it, guys. And it does show you that this doesn't have to be this way at all. So I'll put the link there. Thank you for watching, and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Cheers. Thanks, man. Bye bye.
two, glitching the code.